0: Today on CityCast Denver. Yes, we're still talking about that election because votes are still being tallied and in a race this big and this messy, every vote counts. I'm joined by two opinionated experts in local politics to hash it all out. Plus, as dark money rolls into next year's District 3 race, we dish our hot takes on what could be the fight of Lauren Boebert's political life. Today is Friday, April 7th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Okay, so it's Friday. We're recording live here at Westward. Producer Paul Caroli is on vacay in Santa Fe doing his Easter thing, so you're stuck with me. But I'm here with two folks who know this elections game obviously so well. Um, First, joining us is a newcomer to our show. He's the co-host of the Get More Smarter podcast and founder of ColoradoPolls.com, covering politics across the state. He's been a journalist, a Democratic organizer. Jason Bain, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And then, of course, CityCast Denver's own state politics and green chili correspondent, which I feel like is I've been underselling your achievements. Um, You're also my favorite abortion access advocate. Uh, You're the switchboard for all political goss. And you're a fourth-gen Eastsider and Northsider whose family came straight out of the San Luis Valley. Justine Sandoval is here. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yes, that is (laughs) me. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys were already digging into the politics of the politics of the last couple of days. But um, as of this recording, Thursday morning, we're still waiting for another batch of results. But a lot has changed in the last 24 hours. And it's looking better and better for that progressive group of candidates. Um, But let's first, we got to talk about the mayor's race. Mike Johnson still in first place. But the runoff spot for second place was
2: tightening the Bruff runoff and Johnson runoff is pretty much what's been predicted across the board. And, you know, people know as far as there wasn't great polling this election. And I mean, I argue there hasn't been great polling most elections that we've had. But
0: (laughs) But in particular, this one, we didn't really see much. We
2: we didn't have any real data. And plus, there was just like low participation for us to actually like have enough people to say – so-and-so yeah, I'm not sure you at. could have
1: gotten good data. No, no, data. That
2: was it was no. We had 58% undecided like weeks before the election, and that's not common. No, I no. mean, well, you, no, <laughs> well, this whole election was not very common I, in a general
1: election. Like say last fall, two weeks out from election day, you're looking at five percent undecided at most. Oh,
0: really? So this truly was an anomaly. Yes. Yeah, this was wild. It's it's just like hard to not like think about yourself and your friends or your family or your people that you talk to uh, about voting. Like that that was me. I was like, "Oh, I'm undecided." But it was clearly A lot of us were undecided. So was everyone else. You talked to her, I'm sure. They were like, (laughs) me too. I don't know. (laughs) So um, also the at-large race, Serena Gonzalez-Gutierrez, is still in first place. And her lead has grown to almost 20%. So she declared victory already. But we have to remember that this race is where two folks advance with no runoff. Um, And interesting... Earlier in this week, um, the numbers had changed, and uh, Sarah Parity surpassed uh, Penfield Tate. And Sarah's part of this progressive group. Did that surprise you both at all? These late, these late coming progressive votes.
1: I'm still not sure that that happened, honestly. Okay. Um, I don't know that we have a good grasp yet on who actually voted late. I, I'm not sure. Has, I'm not sure the clerk's office has been all that clear about the order. Are, I mean, are they counting votes as they as they came in in the last couple of days, or I, you know? I, so we I'm can't not sure really
0: determine like who was the latecomer votes. Like really, yeah, who was the last
1: person to vote? I don't know. You know, I don't know if they know that.
0: But it is interesting because we saw this in a couple different races, I'm thinking, that had flipped, um, that pushed a lot of these progressive candidates ahead. Um, Shannon Hoffman in District 10, Chantal Lewis in District 8. Um, th- the most surprisingly competitive race to me was D9 with incumbent Candice the Baca. And then she pulled back ahead of Daryl Wilson. Um, these are all the progressive candidates. And
2: election night wasn't looking great for them. The next day, a different story. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I would say just – as someone observing the progressive vote. Have we <laughs> You're Waterloo? doing in high air yeah here. So like progressive vote is kind of fractured and the community is kind of fractured at the moment. And so you've seen that. I think one thing that helped Sarah was, a lot of people that endorsed Serena also endorsed her, so they kind of were running on a slate outside of like a progr- the progressive slate that was running um, with her. So, and because of that fracturing, I think she could have, you know, got a- ahead of because Serena of the other already artists. had a base. I oh mean, yeah,
0: we know her. She's coming from the state level.
2: Yeah, you exactly. know, she's a
0: she was a known name. And I, yeah, I think the, the
2: attachment of the two of them together and a lot of endorsements helped. Um, but yeah, we're going to still see what that one comes out to. But yeah. <laughs> what do we think about this, the narrative about the, because pro- I would
0: say at first it seemed like those progressive candidates weren't doing well. Now it seems like they are. I know, I I hear you, Justine, with the fracturing. The fracturing we see the most uh, with progressives is in the mayor's race, right? Mm-hmm. We had a lot of options for progressives and that didn't, bear out in our favor, obviously, because it meant we were splitting the vote a bunch of ways. But in general, what do you two think about this conversation around progressives and voting in Denver in this moment in 2023? Oh, God, this is like keeps me awake at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Same. I think this was more about the first Fair Elections Fund election. Yes. Having a lot of candidates. And I what I've heard the most anecdotally, and I think I I expected this to happen was that people said, it seemed like everybody's about the same because everybody talked about homelessness and unless you're really listening closely, those conversations kind of all have the same buzzwords and phrases and it's hard to tell the difference. And then you've got someone like Chris Hansen and his ad saying Uh, I will audit homelessness programs. (laughs) What does that even mean? That seemed like
0: such a weak stance to me. Like who, we don't care if you're going to audit them. What are you
1: going to do? But that's a good example to me of uh, a microcosm of the whole problem was that you say the word homelessness and you say some things and then the voters look around and go, eh, I
2: yeah, and I think that what I saw a lot of is there were two sides to the, this the whole crime narrative yeah. really came, you know, to the forefront in this election. And that had to do with outside entities too that have been working on that crime narrative. You have like conservative radio hosts who have made documentaries that I've oh, mentioned that right. you know, people like Jamie Gillis were in <laughs> talking yeah. about how terrible Denver is.
1: It burned down entirely. From oh. what I, from what I heard. The, what do you mean?
2: Denver. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, not Denver. It's, it's just a oh, we t- It's a, in a horrible the dystopia outside. <laughs> Buildings are burning down the street. And, but you're saying like that can that? Very but I think people blurred that line between what is crime because there is crime going on. There's car thefts, all of these other issues, and then there are unhoused population and people have like yeah. merged them into two. And I think that that you know blurred the lines for a lot of people of like what was the crime problem. And, and now th- we have an unhoused person issue. You have a humanitarian issue right. that is going on and it should be addressed as such. And
0: yeah. But what's interesting to me is I think, I agree with you, Justine. I think the, the homelessness, unhoused situation combined with the narrative of crime, which crosses over for some people as one and the same, for many of us it's not, dominated this election, but not in necessarily like the way I would think. Like, I was honestly, you guys, I was surprised Andy Rougeau got at this point. He's almost at eighteen thousand votes. But what I think that says is there are people that like the camping ban and want it enforced. And I think that's an unfortunate reality for a lot of progressives. Is we can scream all we want, those that's not going to change folks' minds. Um, Jason, what did you think about that? The conversation around the crime narrative and and this lumping it all together with homelessness and.
1: I was really surprised when Chris Hansen, his first ad was very dark about crime. Yeah. This was coming off a 2022 general election in which Republicans talked about crime and uh, how Jared Polis was stealing your car and uh, (laughs) everything was terrible. I mean, the, the message for Republicans in 2022 was basically Colorado sucks, vote for me. And Chris Hansen tried a variation of that, like, Denver sucks, vote for me. It doesn't work to tell people where the, the but, place they live is bad. They wouldn't live there if that were true. And it just, I, it was a complete misreading on his part. And whoever, you know, the other candidates that kind of followed along, you just can't do that. You can't tell people that where they live is terrible.
0: You've got to offer something you, like you're, you're going to solve it or it,
1: be it isn't though, bad here. Yeah. It's just you live there. It's your right. You, if you if it was that bad, you wouldn't you wouldn't be there.
0: But what's interesting is like Chris Hansen did t- terribly. Honestly, I'm much more surprised. Right. It was it a, doesn't so, work. He yeah. got almost half the votes that Andy Rougeau did. And Chris had very slick advertising. He was out the gate with like commercials right away. And
2: it didn't. It did not translate. You know, I agree. No one wants to hear the city you live in sucks. Right. I mean, my family. I. I've been here four generations. Whatever. We all know that. But (laughs) it really like you. If you're here here and you're invested, it doesn't matter. You're you. Ride out, right? We ride out whatever city because you were invested as a a person living here. It's beyond, you know, the talking points of crime is everywhere and, you know, this, that, and the other. So I think, yeah, there needed to be more of a message is like, this is a problem with Denver overall, is that people are more focused on power here over policy. So you could have the best policy going forward, and that, that wasn't necessarily the focus for people.
1: I think I can narrow it down the mayor's race to Johnston and Bruff for a simple couple of reasons. Everybody talked about the same thing, essentially. In that situation, the better-funded, better-run campaigns will win. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the case always. All things being equal, the better campaigns tend to win. I was waiting for some candidate. To say something else, to say, yes, homelessness is very important, but um, we should, you know, grow grass on top of every building or whatever.
2: Something. Transportation. I thought transportation should have been a big focus. RTD is a mess. It's been a mess for a long time. Like, what are we going to do about, you know, talk about density, talk about these other things. too. But yeah, there was really no other topic that emerged from this election.
0: That could have set somebody apart. Oh, totally. Yeah.
2: Somebody wanted to plan for the entirety of Denver instead of like focusing on this Denver, dilapidated Denver message, which is not true. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, we live here every day. Yeah. We understand
1: that there's issues. Just Cities are bad and good. Every city has problems. We're a real
0: city. I mean, that's the thing is we have to deal with. With It's like we're a real life city. Um, I'm also thinking about, though, uh, money. Sure. Name recognition always seems to be something. But that did not happen in this election. I would say my surprises here were Debbie Ortega and Leslie Herod, just not even making it up there. And those are two pretty well-known names.
2: What did you What did you both think about that? I was surprised that Leslie had underperformed. Um, I so I'm figuring out why that is exactly. But yeah, that was a surprising race to me. Um, Debbie Ortega, I just feel like you know Debbie had the name recognition. She had the experience. Didn't run a great campaign. Sure. And that did not help her. <laughs> and when you guys say not running a great campaign, you
0: mean like didn't get in front of people, wasn't out there. What is What makes a great campaign?
1: So you've, you've got to figure out in this race particularly, it's a little different. You, you don't want to run a citywide race because you're trying to get into the runoff. So you need that 18, 20 percent of the vote. So you need to sit down and say, all right, where is that? Where are those people? And how do I make sure they vote for me? And... I don't think Debbie Ortega did that, and I don't know that Leslie Herod did that. And I think Leslie Herod also had – she had some negative uh, press that came out that I don't think she handled well, and it's magnified now in a large candidate race because – they're trying. You're trying to stand out. You're trying to out. find any reason right. to 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 say to mark someone off, and that gave people just enough reason to say, "Nope, not Herod." Mm. In a regular general election, one-on-one matchup, I think a voter would be more likely to say, "Well, that concerns me," but she still covers I'll, all my. All way against these other things that doesn't happen in this kind of race, and I think, I think she missed that part of it.
0: Okay. Justine, what do you think? No, I agree, and I, I think with her, Leslie in particular, it just when she announced, it was like, yes, duh, okay. But then you're right.
2: I don't know if that it, the Leslie through. Leslie running for mayor had been a conversation that yeah. people have been talking about way before people announced. Totally, like, we knew it was coming, and I was just kind of surprised. At I felt like you know there was outreach and stuff, but not in the way that there should have been, like, connecting with communities are going to vote for you and making sure you lock down those votes ahead of time. And I think overall, like you mentioned, people running a citywide race doesn't work when we have 17 candidates and we're about to do a runoff. You need to go find your base and, and just make sure people mm-hmm. that vote kind of are,
0: like, the known quantity, and you need to make sure they know who you are and you're their Yeah, guy.
2: I was talking to some candidates on Tuesday during the day, and they went door knocking, you know, Saturday, and Monday. And they were like, a lot of people were like, I wasn't even going to turn in my ballot, but uh, since you came to my door, I'll turn it in. Absolutely. (gasps) Yeah, and that was really the outreach that did not
0: happen this election. Okay, so is the, (laughs) okay, my mind is like exploding right now because I'm thinking uh, us, political nerds, we're like, this election's gonna be huge, right? First mayor choice that's not an incumbent in 12 years. We've had this struggle with many, many voters are not happy with Hancock, how we're handling the unhoused situation, this quote, rising crime thing, and then Like the air was just pulled out. What do you think happened? Why do you think people had that apathy?
1: I I think there's one issue that is different that has changed quite a bit going back to when Hickenlooper was first elected. Back then, Denver mayor was the race for a Democrat. In the 20 years since, you go back to just the last cycle, Democrats won every statewide race by double digits they don't, if if you're somebody interested in politics, you want to rise up the ladder and you're a Democrat, there's other jobs now.
0: Interesting. But then for voters, what does that mean? You know, like, was it just like the paralysis of choice, the not knowing who any of the candidates were?
2: Oh yeah. I think that definitely factored in, you know, 17, 16, whatever it ended up being of total candidates is a lot and lots of different messaging coming from every which way. I don't think voters tap out. It's too much. Yeah. It's not like, I wanted to tap out. I was like, get me out of here. I feel you. Me out of Denver. I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> I want this to be yeah. over. There were a
1: lot of candidates who didn't run because of the, you know, their other options. There's other jobs. I think the Fair Election Fund, I personally think, showed that it was a failure and it was a problem that it created so many candidates. And I think Denver has got to move away from this spring primary. Or spring election, it's dumb. It should be in November, coming off of a, uh, you know, especially as nationalized as every two-year election is now. People were tired after November. Yeah, they checked out, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what? There's a race.
2: Yeah, yeah. right <laughs> for mayor. Exactly. <laughs>
1: this should move to November, and give people some time to digest it. Give candidates some time to have the. spotlight to themselves. I mean, because right now there's stuff happening in the legislature. Like, it's not the top. It's not the top top story.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's not the top story. But it should be. Right. It's just bad timing. Yeah. Okay. Um, My one last question before we move on is uh, we're looking at two well-funded white people. You guys, we have to talk about it. We had a race that had qualified folks of color running this race as well and- we're most likely going to be here with these two well-funded white folks.
2: Well, I mean, like you said, fair elections didn't work. Like this idea that it was supposed to bring all these candidates that didn't have access to big money. But in the end, big money still Still wins. wins. Yeah. that's
1: Well, but it's also more than, I look at fundraising as more than different than money. Having been in politics and campaigns for a long time, fundraising is an example of support. That's why I look and why I'm sure Justine looks at early campaign finance reports. I know there's going to be outside money that comes in, but I want to know how many people have thrown down and said, I'm with them. Early on. You think that's a good determination? And, and throughout the, right, it's hard to raise money. Yes. And I think there's a perception that it just sort of falls from the sky if you're a connected person. It doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, Johnston and and Bruff, the reason they have the most money is because they really worked at it. It's not the only reason, but it's not – it shouldn't be neglected. It's not like they just, you know, found it in their backyard.
0: It's from connections they've made and things they've done. I mean, I I would still be a little bit weary of that just because Johnston was getting outside money from, like, Silicon Valley. like. None of our none of our grassroots uh, candidates were going to have that.
2: No. And the reality is our campaign system still works the way it does. And those people just knew the game better, I yeah. think, in a lot of ways that other people don't. And a lot of people that I know from the political world who are really good at this stuff didn't want to touch the mayoral election and was we're all the way out of it so yeah. that didn't help a lot of these candidates they had grassroots i'm a grassroots girl same but if you don't have that experience yeah. it doesn't translate to there numbers. were a lot of
1: campaigns with with very inexperienced people oh I, I yes
2: so many
0: <laughs> and that I, I think that probably bared out in where we ended up but also something i would say is with the fair elections fund with the amount of folks in the race um i think folks were concerned Well, I just want to make sure I go with the person that's probably going to get there, right? So I think some more progressive votes went to like Mike Johnston.
1: There needs to be more of a barrier,
0: you you really think? Okay,
1: because I mean, you've got half of the field basically just stopped doing anything in early March. Yeah, and
0: that was really obvious
1: because either they didn't know what to do or they were tired of it already, or you know, it's hard to win campaigns are hard it's just it's not like i don't know how to engineer a building right and i I wouldn't think i could
0: i'm gonna stop trying right now i
1: wouldn't think i could but people think i could do a campaign so a takeaway from
0: this for me is like maybe the fair elections fund wasn't the greatest didn't bear it didn't give us the greatest election
2: i think the idea was not the answer to the problem yeah great there and there is a problem like Yes. People who have access yeah. to money or better access to money shouldn't be the only people who right. can emerge as like, good leaders.
0: So that's still a problem. It's just this wasn't the right answer, maybe.
1: But you also have to have people that understand what to do with it. I, sure. Yeah. Some of the money I looked at, like <laughs> I, yes. Ian Thomas DeFoy received $156,000 in fair election fund money. He got 2,200 votes. What did he do with that money?
0: Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I not from like a, I'm questioning his finances perspective, but like you're saying, maybe like, it's what just did you spend the it inexperienced yeah. campaign situation here because he was throwing great parties. He was really out in the community, but I would also say he kind of was going the route that Kalen went when I was on her campaign, which was like, we're going to talk to people who don't normally vote, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to vote. It's yeah. a tough,
2: it's an uphill battle. Well, and Ian comes... Ian's victory is that he came out well liked overall. And people are like, Ian yeah. did a good job. He didn't get any of the messiness. A lot of people are like, I agree with Ian that yes. we're doing campaign. Like, but you know, there are some very specific things in the campaign world, like targeting, mail, um, all of these things that you have to dedicate money to. And I like I said, I don't think some people were experienced enough in what it took right. to do that type of targeting for this. Like race. If you had
1: if you had given Ian $1. $1. 1.5 million dollars.
0: But if he what didn't have have the, it, yeah, it, it he needs the infrastructure yeah. of a of a campaign. You still got to spend it correct? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Put those mailers out like yeah, get
2: the mailers. Every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Which annoys people, but I, it also means we know we know how we probably feel about it. Well, because we had those
2: that. people who got their ballot and like I'm not filling this out and people will people will decide like if you get a mailer from this person or you get mm-hmm. contact did by that person, it does change, it does make a difference, especially in a, an election like this where there's just not high enthusiasm, right? But people feel like they need to vote,
1: and you want someone who's trying, yeah. Or, or you feel like hey, yeah, you, they're they're making an effort.
2: Yeah, you came to my door. Yeah. You went all the way out. I haven't talked to anyone, so you win my vote. Nobody's sitting here going through policy and, like, <laughs> yeah, it, The, no. right. the no. people that aren't us. Yeah. yeah, the people that aren't us aren't doing
0: Which that. is not to say anything about voters. It's, like, it's it's not their job to think about it. And they don't have to they, sh- yeah, they, yeah, they shouldn't have to. They should yes. be able to make a clear choice pretty easily based on the information out there. And we had a lot of information going. And like you guys are saying, people just, campaigns themselves gave up. And it was just it just kind your of job, <laughs> fell in on itself. Your job
1: as a candidate is to find, go to those people. Yeah, the people their job is not to come to you, and the candidate the campaigns that did well are the ones that do that right, and that's usually the case.
2: Yeah, I had people who were like big anti-abruff people, and then they met with her, and they were like, "Oh, you know what? I heard some She's similar nice.
0: things. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and that was it. And you're like, that's and that's
0: really all it takes. It's not to say that's a good thing or a bad thing but like i get it
1: for now yeah Yeah. that'll change
0: right Uh, yeah
1: in the next couple of weeks but yeah in a in a big field like that yeah
0: i yeah we're not even going to get into the runoff (laughs) i want to but we don't have time um but uh we're just going to end it there with this conversation um we're going to take a quick break and when we come back something else Best part is, Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CITYCASTDENVER for $75 off your first delivery at pinemelon.com. That's pinemelon.com. Okay, we're back. We're pulling out here a little bit and looking at a bigger picture. We're looking at Colorado politics. Recently, there was a story from Sandra Fish at the Colorado Sun about this group, Rocky Mountain Values, that kicked off their campaign recently to target Bobert's race and not in a good way. Um, Jason, can you quickly explain? This is dark, I I guess this is dark money entering the the race (laughs) for Bobert's seat. What's going on here? I,
1: dark money was always in the race. It was in the race last time. It's in every race. It's it's like the ghosts in your walls. Dark money is everywhere. <laughs> and, no, but it, dark money is just a, uh, a more ominous sounding name for the something that's been around forever. Independent expenditure committees, PACs, uh, five twenty seven IRS code committees. It, it's people who want to and can and have the ability to spend more money pooling it for the purpose of you know influencing influencing an election, influencing an election
0: and, and not revealing who they are. I think right. that's where the dark money part right. comes in, right? It's like we don't know who right. is funding this.
1: We don't know who's funding it. We can guess. I mean, and you could probably come up with some pretty close hits just on guessing alone. But it's the the important part here to me is that it's April twenty twenty three and there's a significant organized outside money effort targeting bobert That's new.
0: Really? And this race is not until next year.
1: Yes. November so, 2024.
0: So that's the interesting part to you is like outside groups getting yes, involved in this particular this race. This is a
1: race. the The third congressional district is a Republican plus nine district based that's based on presidential performance in 2020. So Trump won that district that area by nine percentage points that should not be a winnable race for a democrat
0: but we saw right adam frisch
1: he came within 546 votes bobert's routine has tired Mm. already and i think you've seen that with her recent declaration that she's going to now accept earmarks after for years saying that they were evil and corrupt and So
0: she's changing her ways. She's actually. She understands that she needs
1: to do something to convince voters that she's doing her job and not just tweeting and yelling at Biden. Yeah, I
0: was like screaming
1: and screaming at Biden. Sure. So what this story about the 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 dark money group says is that Boebert is is actually vulnerable and Democrats only need to win a net five seats to retake the majority in the House Clearly, people are seeing this as one of those as one of those scenes. one of those routes.
0: Justine, Rocky Mountain values this this group behind this push.
2: What what do you know? So Rocky Mountain Values, one thing that they had did with the Cory Gardner's election was they were very effective at holding him accountable, and that's exactly going to be the same thing with Bobert They're going to come in and spotlight her voting record and the fact that she has done very little for her community, and I think that's going to be what Rocky Mountain Values is able to do, and she really brought it upon herself like at this point, and they're getting in early to continue to spotlight the fact that she is not doing anything for the people of her district that they feel is impactful and that really needs to be done. That is such a crucial part of the state. You know, we have water um, issues going on. We have our whole agri- huge chunk of our agricultural industry in her district, and she's not doing anything that's really going to help people. And what you will see in Colorado, and a lot of people don't believe me, but I worked on abortion rights in the state for eight years, is that Coloradans outside of Denver will cross party lines for what they need. To yeah. have done, yep. and that's Absolutely. not important to them. If she's a Democrat or Republican, it's who is addressing their needs in their community. And I think Rocky Mountain Values is gonna gonna hold her accountable just like they did Gardner. Oh yes, right. That's where we oh, first yeah, sort yeah. of were introduced Sorry. to
0: this group. Rocky Mountain Values was they were part of the money behind the push to get Gardner out. Yes, so yeah, they're new. They're not new.
2: Right. They're not new to this. They're true to this. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Um, well, again, Jason, you brought up that she she squeaked by last election, mm-hmm. winning by less than 600 votes against uh, Adam Frisch. But what was interesting to me was like both Dems and the GOP were not even paying attention to this race because they didn't think Boebert could be challenged. Do you, What do you think now? Do you think they're all like the GOP is really on guard on this situation?
1: I'm torn, honestly. Part of the reason I think no one thought this in 20. 20- 22 was that in 2020, there was an effort behind Diane Mitch Bush, uh, the Democratic candidate. Boebert was, had not yet been elected, so she was an unknown, and she easily won. And it validated the data um, you know, on, on presidential election, it validated the plus nine data that I mentioned earlier. And it just didn't, nothing had changed, really except by the time uh, the Dobbs decision came down, that changed. But there was no reason to think things would be different if if we Democrats had no chance then.
0: There were no signals pointing to this could be no concerning I mean, I,
1: race. It was inevitable at some point, I thought, but not. E- I'm surprised that she wore out her welcome this quickly.
2: I mean, I was the only outlier in all of the groups that were <laughs> like, I think she can be taken down but there were no signs that were pointing to that being the case, so I understand why there wasn't. And that we also investment. had the
1: eighth district.
2: Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then how w-
0: that? What does that figure in? How so does that work?
2: Everyone was focusing on a very uh, competitive district with having a new representative. Once we created CD eight, Congressional that, District eight, was that the yeah, and Barbara Kirkmeyer now. race? Like Northern yes. Colorado. So okay. Right. Yeah. So you know when we're focusing resa resources, especially national resources, uh, the D-trip, the D trip the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee wasn't going to put the resources into Boebert's election. They were going to make sure that we picked up a seat, which was a CD eight seat. So I think there was a lot, yeah. like resources were torn. We
1: know we could win CD eight. We're not sure if we could yeah. beat Boebert. So exactly. I think that. was So going the for
2: the sure,
0: the more sure bet. Yes. Putting yeah. putting money, resources, attention there. Yeah. And then we actually saw voters tell us something, right? Like. So this is what I want. I want to know. I was. I remember being down in that part of the. St- I remember being in that part of the state when this race was going on, and there's signs for her everywhere, right? And I'm like, oh, there's no way. They, she, who? I get it, but we are people like us are probably fatigued with her. Do you think her her base is finally? thrown oh yeah, they're over thrown in the there towel.
1: There were multiple stories, local and national, after the election, and everybody said the same basic thing the people they interviewed you know from pueblo to durango wherever was that i just want someone to do the job yes yeah that's <laughs> do all
2: the damn job <laughs> and I, girl your job is important it's not <laughs> super important right it's not
1: that she the it's, the problem isn't that that she tweets and and screams at the president it's that she does she nothing doesn't else. Get anything
0: done yeah so you can if do she that did all both, day she'd be fine okay that's fair. I just wondered because, you know, I mean, I think about her in the same way that maybe folks like me think about AOC, right? She's she's loud. She's brash. She's young. She's cool. Like, whether we think she's cool or not, she's cool. Sure. She's like, you
1: know what I mean? She's, she's got di- that. She's different. She's she a character. She has star yeah.
0: power that I think a lot of folks are attracted to, you know, depending yeah. on yeah. which side you're on. but. And and not to compare them in any way, I'm just saying how we pay attention to them as sort of sure. stars yeah, yeah. in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and it just sounds like so. Like you were saying, you guys are both saying so. Sh- at the bottom, it, it, when we get to the brass tacks of this, it's not just that she's loud and annoying. She's just not getting stuff done, and voters are. That's, yeah, that's, that's the bottom line. That's it. That's yeah, the okay. Problem. So you think this is this race has a chance of of flipping that seat? Oh yeah.
1: My concern is that a presidential turnout is much different the name midterm turnout the people if trump is the nominee say the people that are going to show up just to vote for trump are going to b- vote for Boebert. sure and that i think is is going to be the big hurdle
0: so one more thing before we close out on this um we know the money is there is there a candidate when does the candidate appear that's going to be the challenger for Boebert?
1: i think it's likely adam frisch the, really he just announced that he'd raised million in the first quarter. I mean, that's a lot of money, Uh, especially for a race that, you know, is mathematically shouldn't be that competitive. We may get other Democrats jumping in at some point, but clearly they looked at it and decided that getting on this early hopefully will dissuade other Democrats. I mean, that from their perspective and let him just focus on Boebert, it might just end up that way.
2: What do you think, Justine? Well, I think that <laughs> overall, I think any generic Democrat candidate could have came in as close as they did to Bobert, and it's because I think people in their mind like, it was Adam Frisch. I don't no. think it was Adam Frisch. No, at I, all. I don't. Yeah, yeah, no. But, but so from Aspen, I mean, like, I would talk say, about yeah, a divide here. Don't think that he's necessarily the best representative of that district, but because people have that in their mind from this last election, they think that it's important to jump. You know, in supporting him early, I don't think that he's necessarily the candidate. But you are going to see people probably do that and follow that. It helps a lot to say
1: five
2: hundred and forty-six. Oh yeah, he has that.
1: He's going to say that over and
0: over and over. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, we watched that recount. It was really interesting. Yeah.
2: So not my favorite candidate to be uh, (laughs) leading the pack there, but I mean, logically, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, I'm 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 totally with you. I don't know that he would be the ideal representative, but I'll take a a rock over. Yeah, no, Lauren totally.
2: Bovert, so. <laughs> and that's I think that's where a lot of us are. We're like, okay, whatever, Adam. Like yeah.
0: better literally than Bovert. anyone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, okay. Literally anyone but this person. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, anyone but bover <laughs> Well we'll be wa- we'll be on Bovert watch as usual. Um we're gonna take one more quick break, but when we come back, we are gonna tell you what we think you should do this weekend.
3: What's up weather fam? Rain or shine. I'm Andy Stein here with your CityCast Denver weather forecast for this weekend. And y'all, I know we had to deal with a little bit of cold and snow this week, but That was the price that we had to pay to get the weekend that we're about to enjoy. It's gonna be absolutely gorgeous outside. High temperatures are gonna be approaching the 70s. We'll probably end up in the upper 60s to low 70s, both Saturday and Sunday. And that means you're probably gonna see Bree out at Wash Park and you're probably gonna see me out at Cheeseman Park. But uh, ultimately, I'm pretty sure you're gonna see much of Denver outside because it's gonna be one of those really, really good weekends. Saturday could have a little bit more cloud cover than Sunday, but still overall looking really nice hey looking a little further out into early next week we could be approaching 80 and eclipsing that 80 degree mark uh, monday and tuesday we normally hit 80 degrees in the end of april so we're a bit early this year but i don't think that's a bad thing because the warmth is going to feel oh so nice y'all have a great weekend and enjoy it outside
0: It's time for the official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend, as in maybe you'll see us there. As usual, there's so many things happening in Denver, but there's only one where you might actually see us. Our newsletter editor, Adrian Gonzalez, rounds up his best bets in our newsletter, Hey Denver, every week, and he's here to give us his top picks. Adrian, hi.
4: Good morning. Good morning. morning. What up? I mean, other than taking a nap after this crazy election, there's... I think we, we, we need to do some fun stuff this weekend.
0: Yes, it's not political, please. Yes,
4: not political. So I took those out uh, of You're the recommendations best. this week. First up, it's First Friday.
0: First Friday! So
4: why don't we go down to Arts District on Santa Fe and just walk around, look at art, and not talk
1: about the election.
0: Okay. I mean, that's always a given. I don't know how you guys feel about First Fridays.
1: I, I just like the last part, not talk about the election. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever that may be.
2: Justine, what do you think? Good old first Fridays are always the best. Take your Rolly cooler and stop by each studio and say hello to everyone. I Rolly like, cooler, I, your that's Rolly cooler. cooler. She brings her, she brings her drinks and a place to sit. I bring my Rolly cooler and the bro, secret. you're doing and, it right. Yeah, Christine. and then you can stop and then chat with everyone. <laughs> I love this. This Ooh. is way better. Than oh yeah, Rolly cooler. Okay, okay, cool. I'm just All right, down. first Friday. What else we got?
4: Uh, well, the Rocky season kicks off uh, kicked off yesterday. Yes. So we have three different games. You can go tonight, tomorrow. There's an evening game at 6. Uh, or you can go in the afternoon on Sunday. The Was- Washington Nationals are in town.
0: Lots of options. Yeah.
4: yeah and, they, and they're baseball. still not out of the playoffs. Yeah, this, this is point. the <laughs> rare time of the year where you can go and they're still in playoff contention.
2: Yeah, I'm going today because I'm too old to go on opening day now. I just don't have it in me to party Same. all day. I'll be going today to enjoy opening day light. Our favorite yes. bar in Lodo is Coors Field. And they know that because the team can suck and they can still sell out. I and mean, you can out, get so. in for a buck and drink for
0: a hundred bucks. And there they you all go. And it's great. <laughs> so Rocky's Games all weekend. Great. All
4: weekend. Hang out. The next one is at Family Theater. It is the musical play from uh, Frank Videkin, Spring Awakening. Now, this is, if you haven't um, seen this one, uh, I love what they call it part realism painting and part my chemical romance concert. <gasps> Uh, This is uh, from the late 19th century a uh, German writer. It's about a group of schoolchildren who explore their own sexual identities with a brutal and suppressive society.
0: Whoa. I mean, I love family theater productions because they yes. always put an interesting twist on things. They they bring humor in places you wouldn't expect. Um, this is a theater group that has been around for decades here in Denver. They uh, focus on uh, supporting actors with disabilities. Um, it's an, inc- I don't know, if you've never been to a family theater experience, I highly recommend it. They're so fun. They're just so well done. Great, great theater troupe. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, what's our last pick?
4: Well, our last one, our friend Juan Fuentes, who is a local photographer, friend of the pod. Um, on the weekends, him and his, his family sell carnitas. If you're a carnitas fan, stop by the garage. You can get, get them by the pound, get tacos pre-made. Uh, well, his dad, Don Juan, of carnitas Don Juan fame, carnitas. is needing a new surgery. He's uh, he's had some health issues in the past. And so for the next two weekends, they're selling the carnitas out of the garage at a little bit of a higher price to raise some money. They're selling T-shirts, some merch. You can also donate if you, for some reason, uh, don't want carnitas. Maybe if you're vegetarian and you just want to support. Um, so you can DM them, find them on Instagram.
0: We'll share a link it's in the incredibus. show notes. Yeah. So you can pre-order your carnitas and then you stop by his family's garage and they serve them up to you and they're in the okay, I think he's okay. in is
2: he in Westminster?
4: It's I don't know It fits Northland, Westminster. Those north, all yeah. blend together, but it's uh it's near I-25 and eighty-fourth.
2: Yeah, I but it's like the north-north side. <laughs> it is the north-north side, the,
0: and the it is north. like right off I-25, so it's not yeah. hard to get to. Um also this is an amazing opportunity to support somebody who's been in the community for a long time. Uh, we we all know restaurant workers have terrible, if not any, insurance at all. So being able to help out uh, Don Juan and his family would be amazing. We'll put a link in the show notes again. I cannot recommend enough. The best carnitas I've ever had came out of Juan's dad's garage. <laughs> okay, Ooh, I mean,
1: I, I have a guest one. Okay, sure. Yeah. My, last home game for the Denver Nuggets in the regular oh, season is Sunday. Yes. The Sunday, yes. they have locked in the number one seed in woo-hoo, the Western woo-hoo. Conference. So. I went last week, and
4: I think I went to the one game where they just play terrible. Uh, <laughs> but it's still a good time. Yeah,
0: but it's still a good time. I would say getting to go to a Nuggets game, even if you're not a ba- basketball person, it's, it's the most.
1: Time. They're so good. Oh, yeah. they're,
0: they're fun. The DJ's amazing. The, oh, yeah. just the whole experience. That'd be a tough one for me. That's okay, it. so. What do we want to recommend?
4: We have First Friday. Okay. Uh, we have the Rockies all weekend. Uh, Spring Awakening, Family Theater, and Carnitas on Juan. And then we have our guests, uh, the <laughs> Nuggets.
0: I mean, I would say we could recommend Juan's thing because you can go any all weekend, anytime. That could Pre-order. be in
2: addition to one. I, I, Oh, yeah, I, I'm combining. Yeah. I'm going Rockies game, and then I'm gonna go get my carnitas and be able to soak up my drink, my outfill drinking on Friday. I'm with you. Justine, I'm gonna I'm with you on that one. What do you think, Jason? Is that a good carnitas
1: call? and nuggets will be mine. Uh,
0: oh so we'll say carnitas and Denver sports. I'm a masochist, carnitas and I like sports. the Rockies. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> there you have it. That's the official CityCast Denver maybes for your weekend, but there's way more uh where that came from, Adrian's got more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver to 66866. Adrian, Justine, Jason, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank y'all.
0: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli, Aaron O'Toole, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Adrian Gonzalez writes our morning newsletter, and I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CityCastDenver, and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye-bye. Our newsletter editor, Adrian Gonzalez, I rhyme?
4: (laughs) I'm
2: sorry. You can't go to two? He rips and he rhymes, he rhymes and he rips.